Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we're doing around here. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. I just, uh, I just been waiting all, you know, since we texted to do this to tell you guys. You know what I realize about COVID? It hasn't stopped the drug problem at all, at all. Hasn't put a no. dent in it at all. You know, everything's <laughs> shut down. Nail parlors are shut down. Barber shops. You know, you can't do this. You can't go to a Dodger game. Can't do that. Drug. The drug world. Not a hitch. Not a hitch did it cause, Chuck. <laughs> Not a stop. I have gotten two calls in the last 18 hours about out-of-control 20-year-olds on fentanyl and cocaine and meth and pills in my neighborhood. Oh, in shit. In my neighborhood. Really? It is out of control, the drug problem in America. And we're just ignoring it. We're just fucking ignoring it. Even I'm ignoring it. I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't ignore it today, Chuck. You know, when when a friend of yours calls and their their friend's kid is out of control, and then just like literally, boom, boom, like two acquaintances of mine called to to uh, one last night at ten o'clock at night, and then one this afternoon about three o'clock. Okay. Two, Two fent- fentanyl, meth, and like it's a potpourri. There's a, there's a lot going on out there, Chuck. I got, I got to ask you, Bob. Something on the, on the, the personal side of that, is that I, I get those, you know. And I was talking to a guy who knows you, and he goes, you know, Bob's got the juice, you know. But the idea that people think that because you work in treatment, you can always hook them up, or you're the go-to guy. It can be exhausting, can it? Yeah, I mean, I I like talking to families to try to to try to steer them in, right, in the right direction. Like probably in an average week, I talk to like five, I don't know five people like that, and most of them don't go to Aloe. Most of them, you know, they either have insurance or they have Kaiser or whatever. It's not to get people into my treatment center. It's no, to enlighten their it. families and relieve their families shame and guilt there is so much shame associated as a parent of an active addict in america like like it's just crazy all this what i thought we made all this progress literally we made no progress at all (laughs) (laughs) well yeah they've got to talk to to ourselves (laughs) no they just they just got to get to where other people understand it you know to where to where they realize they're not the only one so if it's their first time, yeah, they're always just like in shock and embarrassed. And you're right. I mean, we're barely making a dent, but the dent's going to happen sooner or later. But it's just like I was. Do you get the? Because I get weird things like on my inbox, like people like I barely know. Where it's just like I'm going to kill myself if I don't get in somewhere. You need to help me. And it's just like, man, that is just that's rough. Yeah, it, it's a lot it's, on your plate, man. It's it's constant. It's nonstop. It's always been this way. There, you know, there's a rule, and I think I've talked about another podcast. Um, but the in the bar business, like Michael Brennan is the first person who ever told to me. Michael Brennan was the owner of the Cafe de Grand, right? He's the first person who ever said this: that you can't stay in the bar business more than ten years. Like, it's just too much. What you have to be to be the owner of a bar, you can only be that for 10 years maximum, right? Okay. You know, you you have to be everything to everybody, and you have to listen to all the drama. Can you imagine what it was like to own the Cafe de Grand, Mike Mart? Can you imagine what it was like to be the owner of that fucking place? Yeah, it would have been a nightmare. A nightmare. And so he was saying, you know, I got to get out of this. This right. This couple of years before the cafe closed, he said, because I've been in the bar business for more than 10 years and it just drives you insane. It ruins your marriage and it ruins your life. And I remember I was only like 20 years old and I was like, fuck, what, you know, but he's somebody I really looked up to. And I was just like, I, it would just filed in my head a rule about 
the bar business. So then when the Viper Room started coming apart at the seams and all that, we realized it had been around for 10 years. And I said, you know, you're not supposed to have a bar for more than 10 years. That's the rule that Michael Brennan told me. And so, so I apply that now to the treatment thing. Like I'm an exception to it. I can go for 25 years now. It'll be in a, in two weeks, it'll be 25 years. Wow. Um, and, and, but most people aren't like that. So I always try to help encourage, you know, people I work with, like, you don't have to be all things to everybody. You can just say, hey, you know, we have a phone number to call if you want to get somebody in. Because you have to raise your children and you have to have your emotional resiliency and you have to be able to do your job. But you can't be that, that dual role of 12 step, 24 hours a day, 12 step work and work in treatment. It'll just kill you. But it doesn't oh. kill me. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently it works different for you. That was just, I was having that thought because I did that to somebody today. That I did exactly that where it was just like, you know what? I've been doing this for, you know, 12, 12 years this time, you know, and I've done it before right. another, another thing. And it's just like, I was just like, you know what, dude? Instead of me going, let me call somebody, let me call somebody. I'll go, I go, this, that, this is the main line. They are helpful people. If they can't get you in, they'll find you a place that can. And I forwarded the number and I felt I felt like kind of like a dick because in 12 step, I wouldn't pawn them off to the next guy. Right. In 12 step, I'd say, hey, we're here. Uh, when are you free? Let's get together. Well, that's that confusing line. And, right. and what I, I I really I really like like I told these people, like I'll talk uh, in the one case I said, I'll talk to the to the addict and in the other case i said i talked to the parents because i determined after listening for about 45 minutes of what's going on i determined that the parents in this one case need support and encouragement and and counseling and kind of help and you know a, a, a fresh set of eyes on their situation and in the other case the the kid just needs to decide like you know it was kind of it was kind of a, you know, there, every situation is different, but it was one of those decisions where I don't know that the one kid wants help at all, right? I do know that, in and and it's not a deadly situation, the one kid, right? Well, it's the less, other kid. It's, like, it's less. It's <laughs> less less likelihood of death, more okay. likelihood of COVID to die than drug <laughs> okay. addiction. But but. The other case just sounds like it, it could be any minute you're going to get the phone call, right? right. And wow. so I said, you know, I, I need to talk to the family and then, you know, try to. And here's the other thing that, that, that I just, I swear to God, it's like in certain parts of Southern California. And it's certainly like this for our friends in Wisconsin, where there's just if you if you if you somehow out yourself as a sober addict people see you differently i i really i really believe that they don't see us as you know all the bullshit you hear in AA. oh we're the strongest most intelligent most sensitive wonderful people <laughs> in the world that's not how the world perceives you when you say i'm a no. recovering addict true <laughs> not, true it really isn't and so I, in, in my community here, there's like a real stigma. I think I'm the, you know, there's a handful of people. I knew a couple guys that, that have lived here and then, um, but for the most part, they keep it on really on the down low, right? In Claremont. And Isn't that is trendy there. It's not, it ain't, West, <laughs> it ain't West Hollywood, brother. Let me tell you. And so I just came into this community four years ago and I just, you know, I just introduced myself as like, yeah, I'm Bob, I'm sober. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I, I met this, I met this city council woman and I told her I'm a sober guy. I, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. I, this is what I am. I'm a sober guy. You know, she's a city council woman. I'm a sober guy. That's what, that's my claim to fame. <laughs> now, Bob, was this a new person, a new per, uh, like a new acquaintance from from Claremont? Uh, no, no, this is a guy I've known for a while, and uh, it's just friends of his. And then the other one, I the guy I've known for years, and then you know, and and I've dealt with Frenchie over the weekend. Lots of you know, lots of lots of mischievous going on. But, but mainly, the point is not to go down a rabbit hole or 
you know, about all these different addicts in my life. It's that it didn't go anywhere. Like there hasn't been sports for a year. There, nobody's gone to a movie. I never thought I would say this. No one has gone to a movie in America for 13 months into a movie theater. Into a movie theater. And you would think if you can shut down the society, can't you shut down drug use? Can't you fucking (laughs) do anything about it? Are you just Just, incapable of doing anything about our drug problem where our kids are dying? The leading cause of death for millennials is drug overdose. The second leading cause of death is suicide. It seems and yet like all we can of, it, shut down the society because of 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 a of a of a virus, but we can't seem to make even the most tiniest dent in our drug problem and our suicide problem. It's just pretty amazing to me. No, there's actually been more decriminalization, <laughs> more drugs. More do It seems like the unemployment would lend to like spending more time with your family. You know, I don't <laughs> want to get labeled something, but I know a lot of addicts on that first. And Chuck, Chuck will say it. Mike, Mike, you're going to have to be the token liberal now that tells me and Chuck that we're Trumpers and we're assholes and we're fucking white privileged people. Because I know dozens of addicts that spent that money on a gambling website. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first, <laughs> I swear to God, they were all doing it, Chuck. Yeah. Because apparently there's this gambling website. I don't know what it is, but you can go on there and like gamble with, you know, your government. It somehow you can shift it over into this gambling. Yeah. They website. make it real easy. They make it real easy. <laughs> it's all offshore accounts. Yeah. So people were. People were getting their $1,200 or whatever they got, those checks from... And trying to double it. (laughs) And they were trying to double it. (laughs) Good for them. I'm sorry, I can't agree with you. (laughs) Good for them. It shows how much they really needed the money. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. There's like... And then, um, you know... American way, man. Hold on one second. Elvis asking a question. What are you asking? No, no, you're her big brother. No, she can't. Jesus, criminy. <laughs> he just Wait. asked if he, he just asked if because because Chrissy's having a Chrissy's. I think Chrissy's bedridden till the baby comes. Oh my god! So oh my. you know, you know, it's been rough the last couple of weeks. We are thirty four. What's the date today? The fourth. We are. 38 days away, my friend. Wow. So you got thir- so, 38 days of bed rest? No, I think it's going to come in the next two weeks, really. Okay. You know, you know apparently they really, it's really kind of throwing a, a dart at a, at a, at a, at a uh, calendar as to when the baby was conceived and when it will be. Do you have a suitcase packed and everything all ready to go? Um, the, yeah, I think there's something. She wanted me to put waters in the car yesterday, and I was like, for what? Are we going to need water on the way to the hospital? Yeah, get it all ready, man. Just pack it up like a camping trip because they're not going to let you leave. You know, we I need to pack I guess, hot water and clean towels. Third, you got to figure this is the third kid in 10 years. It's just like, Okay, we'll be fine. We'll get in and out of there. It'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> These things always go well. <laughs> but like, like with Elvis, like I was, you know, I went to pregnancy, whatever it's called, the birthing classes. Oh, yeah. Now I know how it works. It pretty much, <laughs> nature, nature pretty much does 90% of it. You know that? <laughs> said, the, said the male. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a, it's a I human I women thing. would have yeah. a different... <laughs> No, it is true that nature, yeah, the human when women's body, like it just is a miracle. It's a, it's amazing. <laughs> that it's was amazing. My, my first wife's dad. That's what I he said when I said we're going to the hospital. Are you going to come? And he goes, Nah, women have been doing this for thousands of years. It'll be fine. No, but it is it is amazing how. We just think of ourselves as these intellectual giants, and you watch the birth of a child, and it's just like it's pretty, pretty primal. It's a pretty primal thing. Yes, right. Sir. It's not an intellectual thing. 
So, anyways, all that. Yeah, we're all ready to go. I got to put the the baby backwards thing in in my car. That's the last thing. Oh, good. But yeah, luck we've with got that. we've got we've got a bunch of stuff. Plus, with COVID, once you go to the hospital, you can't leave. Yeah, that's so what I'm, I'm saying. You better have your a, pack, like be a camping trip or something. Yeah, but they also, I we just did this four years ago at the same hostel. They don't let you park your car. They make you move. You got to walk like it's miles from the parking structure to where the birthing center is. And they don't let you park. It's 20-minute parking only. So you can't bring that much stuff unless you're going to get like a dolly and bring that shit up. And like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, mean you, you mean you can't you can't park your RV in the loading zone and just live <laughs> I was it thinking for- of driving in the rv so she can lay down yeah probably break down <laughs> you, have them gonna, come out come out to the rv bob bob pick the reliable car please okay i'm taking the jeep i think because there's more room she's gonna want to <laughs> lay back i think anyway so that's coming up and then the school opened yesterday our school opened yesterday oh, nice. that was crazy crazy really? fun just the kids laughing and just it was oh, the greatest thing man, that's so cool. so so that, but I, I just, what's been top of my list all day is like, you know, all the addicts have been calling me. This one friend of mine, friend of mine's brother came out here for two months. He's going home tomorrow. It's like, I'm telling you, COVID did nothing about shutting down the use of drugs, access to drugs, and access to treatment, access to relapse, access to, it, it did nothing. It didn't change addiction in America not one bit, Chuck. Not one bit. It certainly didn't. It certainly didn't help. It. It certainly. I think it added to the problem. But I, I don't. I don't see how it couldn't have slowed down the flow at all. And but apparently it didn't. It, yeah, it just shows you, like, you know, supply and demand. Old 18th Street gang member before MS took over LA. Uh, 18th Street gang member told was you know we were getting high together and he was a mid level guy and in 18th street and he was telling me you know bob we're more like walmart than the godfather right that was his thing we were like smoke coke and <laughs> and i was like yeah you guys are more like walmart than the godfather you know than the movie the godfather he goes you know it's just business it's just supply and demand it's just like you know we gotta get people want that want our want our want to be our customer and we got to get the the supply to the customer that's all we do yeah. and i was like yeah that is all you do really and and i saw it as that and i see it as that like we need to reduce the demand that's right. the, that's the problem of america there is so much demand for escapism drugs to so- soothe the soul of hopelessness and worthlessness that this society creates in people. Like, you know, I, I watched this thing. Did you watch the CNN thing about QAnon? No. It was fascinating. These are some of the dumbest people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Dumber than flat earthers? <laughs> Dumber than roadies. Dumber than any people oh. I've ever been involved. Oh with. no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, you're gonna have to beat oh. that, Mike. Like these. <laughs> no. Yeah, for Chuck's sake, you're gonna have to beat the roadie. Thing. They're not called no, roadies but- anymore, Bob. They're called crew. They're called techs. Tech- yeah. Technicians, exactly. right? They're called tech. So, so you're talking about these people, like it's. But then I zeroed in on it, and I was talking with some friends about it. I kept rewinding it because the. They're they're so dumb and so fucking arrogant. It's unbelievable. Like you've never had that. There's some things that are anomalous anomalies, and I'm just fascinated by dumb people for centuries knew they were dumb. Everybody said you're fucking dumb. Shut up, dummy. You fucking idiot. <laughs> and and all of a sudden, the last twenty years, we're like. Dumb people are people too, and we need to be kind to them and all this kind of stuff. Not when they're saying stupid ass shit you're not supposed to. You're supposed to say that stupid ass shit. These people have never been told how stupid they are. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, I know what the problem is of QAnon. They are this guy, this guy that said he was gonna publicly execute uh, Anderson Cooper because he was a part of the cabal. This guy is as dumb as a fucking rock. 
but he is so arrogant. It's as if he he thinks he's like Kevin Hart or some movie star, some intellectual giant. It's amazing how dumb they are and how arrogant they are. And so how there's a, absolute there's a single they are. guy, there's a king, there's a guy at the top. No, they interviewed a bunch of them, but this one particular guy just was so, he was talking on camera to Anderson Cooper, telling Anderson Cooper, you're going to be publicly executed. Oh, like, really? Someone Man, like I, you? Like, oh my God, it was just <laughs> so fascinating to me. And then to think there's millions of people like that, it's just fascinating. <laughs> it, it's just totally fascinating to me. I'm obsessed yeah. with it. Oh, like well, when oh, so oh. so today was the day where the 19th president or whatever some day you listen to us Grant bullshit and lies and some internet fantasy bullshit. So it didn't happen today. So now they moved it to March 20th. So now they're just kicking the can down the road yeah, to March course. 20th. They got to collect more money before they can Some do that. Other sig- but who's making the money off QAnon? I don't, I don't, I don't know who's but making the money. Somebody's got to. Have you ever seen Alex Jones' InfoWars? They are yeah, yeah, selling yeah. Like, they are selling like crazy, man. T-shirts, you know, bullet uh, casing belts, uh, survival gear, all kinds of fucking stupid <laughs> right. shit. I mean, they're the ones telling everybody that George Soros is turning babies into fucking hot dogs. I know. These three or four people I saw on this show, they couldn't they couldn't steal a shopping cart from the 99 cent store and not get caught. <laughs> I swear to God. So, if that's our enemy, we're in good shape. We're no, okay. It's going to be okay, America. What I what I do like is all all the prophecies that they keep saying, this is the day, this is the day. You're right. Kick the can. It's like they're like the guy who goes, man, the world's ending on Friday. And then Friday comes and he goes, oh, I didn't mean this Friday. I meant a Friday. <laughs> it's going to end on a Friday. It, maybe next Friday. Did I say maybe next Friday? Maybe next but the, month. But, but here's the deal. I, I know some of them, you know, one of my good friends joined a cult. And Really? Yeah, yeah. Some good friend of yours, too, that you you probably don't know. I don't want to talk about it. That's joined who it is. Cult. But somebody somebody joined a cult. And he's very bright and very and very talented and just an amazing person. And so smart people were could get caught up in religious fervor over some crazy prophecy type stuff. I, I'm not going to say that they can't. But this thing is just so crazy <laughs> that that <laughs> all it, it's it's a it's like you know, that big net in the ocean where only the tiny dumb fish get caught in it, right? Like, <laughs> like, it's just amazing to Nice me. analogy. <laughs> but but the, big, the big fish avoid it. Yeah, the big fish. There's yeah, a get the net. Yeah, there's a net. I'm going to go the other way. Hey, the little way. fish are just like, okay, I'll get jump in there. What's, where's everybody going? Where's everybody going? But But it really is, and the only sad part of it is how meaningless their lives are. That they can dedicate, you know, twenty four hours a day, seven yeah, days a week of their time life for that. Who's who fucking actually living life and raising kids and shit? Who I had to fast for? forward through the show because I got shit to do. But uh, I just every time there was some dumb person on there talking, some QAnon person, I slowed, you know, I pushed play. Like I got to <laughs> hear this. And there was this one guy that was just amazing. So, so, and it's just more distraction away from this, the the the. the the disparity of wealth in this country and and you know poverty is at the root cause of you know at least 50 percent of our problems are the root cause of it is poverty and we've been trying to raise people out of poverty for 50 years and it hasn't been working so maybe we should come up with a different philosophy of how to raise people out of poverty i don't know that might be something to think about um and then meaninglessness of of existence, right? This this the the devaluing of of morals and ethics and righteousness and goodness and and this tearing of people down. It's just it's just hard. And I and I've had addicts tell me like, "What's the point of getting sober?" And you know, twenty years ago, I'd say, "Because you never know what's possible. Like you could you, you know." It's worth it's worth sticking around just to see what happens. And right. now I don't I can't wholeheart I can't wholeheartedly say that anymore. You I don't know, know that it's I don't there's something really wrong with us that's happened over the last ten or fifteen years. 
there is something really wrong with this country. And you can bury your head in the sand and not pay attention to it. That's fine. That's what most people uh, uh, do. But there's something really wrong with it. And, and so if getting sober means I don't have, I'm not going to ever have my own apartment. I'm never going to have a good job. I'm never going to have uh, a girlfriend. You know, I feel like a lot of these QAnon uh, proud boys are very similar to the, to the, when you saw in the Middle East, those kids that, that it turned into suicide bombers, they had no life. They had never had a girlfriend. They had never had a place of their own. They had never had opportunity. And I'm telling you, these men are the same. They've never had a girlfriend. They've never kissed a girl or held their hand or, or went. They're just, their lives are so decimated by this wealth disparity in this country. I really believe that. If you grew up in rural West Virginia, like either you get the fuck out of there or, or what the hell, what the hell opportunity is there for you? Really? I think you're onto something there, Bob, because you know, the, the, uh, the Republican Party has like adopted this whole blonde, beautiful blonde sort of newscaster, and then they have all these chicks that are into this uh, QAnon stuff, and so maybe they're into it just to get laid. Maybe they're into it just because there's girls in there, and if it makes them feel special, and if and if they rise up in the QAnon, it makes a purpose. So if you think about the suicide bombers, there's a great documentary called Inside the Mind of a Suicide Bomber, and what they found was these people had no hope, and this 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 fundamentalist radical ideology gave them a purpose in life i truly believe that QAnon and all this trump nonsense and all this stuff is giving these people a purpose that they can ignore the the situation of their lives and that's just that's horrible and that's on all of us democrats in particular it's on That's all a, of us to give a, a sense of belonging to a greater cause. Is that what you say? Like your life can have meaning. It didn't have meaning before, but it can if you just come along with this and make a right. difference. Because right. everything everything talked about is this is an historical event, and this is gonna this is gonna go down. Yeah, seventeen seventy six. They talk about seventeen seventy six. <laughs> I just can't tell you. you gotta watch the CNN thing and just just watch the interviews. It's just amazing. You know, I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know where these people get the confidence. Like I've I've done some things in my life and I don't have one half the confidence these people have in anything, in myself, in the future, in what's right, in what's wrong. And these people are so adamant that what they believe is the actual fact and truth of existence. It's, it's astonishing. And the only thing I can think of that has ever shocked me like that is those planes flying into those buildings. Because those people that took over those planes, they believed in what they were fucking doing. Yeah. And, and you got to wonder, like, how did they come from these disenfranchised uh, parts of the society in Saudi Arabia and Egypt, and like, and somehow they began, they they got indoctrinated into something. They believed in something so much that they took a plane and smashed it into a building, killing themselves and and two or three thousand other people. It's just crazy. And I see the same thing going on with these people. I'm telling you. It is it is it is crazy how much how fervently they believe in. So yeah. you got you got that as a symptom of how sick the society is. Then you've got this drug overdose explosion, this suicide rate out of control, and it's as if everybody's just ignoring it like oh it'll go away or whatever. No. COVID's going to be under control by July 1st. Okay, um, wh- where are you going with this? This is interesting because earlier in the day it was like you know maybe we should talk about this homeless thing, and I don't, I don't want to talk about anything that I don't feel like I have a good understanding of. And the kind of person you're talking about right now is a polar you know opposite them. of me. I want to know. I want to know. I want to hear both sides of a story before I develop an opinion on it. I don't feel like I can talk to anything unless I have some experience or some. Well, you, you know, know these people. How, a, a lot of the people are people we grew up with. We th- there's a lot of a lot of these people I'm describing 
live in Huntington Beach, Chuck. Open your eyes and look around. Isn't your mayor pro temp one of them? Well, we all know he's goofy. We all know he's taken one too many shots to the head. That doesn't mean he's my friend. <laughs> just because he lives in. The- Are you friends with everybody in Claremont? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I waved to him. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying that I do know these people you know and and you know in the beginnings of of it all in 2015 I saw it on Facebook when I was uh, watch and I watch I watch friends mind change Mike and I have dozens of friends that just change and the anger that they had it was somehow about their own personal failures in life and then they could rally around this hatred kind of not getting my fair share and against council culture or against this or against that. And it just, it just galvanized this kind of, this kind of, uh, I, I think this hopelessness that people have. Like, no. yeah, I don't believe that there's a purpose in life. I believe you make up your purpose. So my purpose, I, I got sober because Gloria Scott, just was amazing and and there for me all the time and once i did get sober i wanted to be like her i knew if i could be like her everything would be okay okay so, so what, what makes you so want to be like somebody her. good i don't well these people think they're good they think they're saving america from people who eat babies and stuff and put chips well, they're, and they're, chips and vaccines and they're like, getting uh, they're getting famous this shaman guy was just on 60 minutes he'll probably get a hot wife out, out of this you know <laughs> mike you're so sexually focused tonight what's that i'm telling you that's the motivation i'm telling most males are driven by like where can i get the chicks and if they're at the trump meetings then let's go there especially in virginia and yeah Arkansas are you saying QAnon's the new rock and roll it is or is it the new, you know, when I was in college, Chuck, many years, but probably before you were born, in 1979 <laughs> and 80 at Golden West College, some of the coolest women and girls, or girls, whatever you would call it, 19, 20, 21 years old, were in the um, uh, United States Communist Party meetings. They were once oh a week at, at Golden West College. And I remember going, and I remember... Just thinking, like, I, yeah, like I, I believe in this stuff. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't nothing. Nothing ever came of it. But I just felt like I'm with my sisters, and they all had hair under their arms, and they didn't wear bras, and it was just so cool, and it was so, it's so different than the life that I had or the life that I had grown up in. I just was a part of something that, yeah, I, I don't know that it's completely about sex, but it was definitely about being cool and in with girls and and having conversations and i don't know for a nerdy pimple-faced guy it just fit right and maybe that's what this is maybe i don't know but i it is astonishing how many females are involved in QAnon. there's a lot it's i bet you it's the the true democracy like 50 50 it's crazy <laughs> like that do you the, think they're paid to be there like models at the opening no of new clubs? i don't i don't believe in any of that shit george soros has a 45 year old wife he gives you think he gives a fuck about controlling america no you know he, he, he george soros isn't QAnon though is he i know but that philosophy that everything's a conspiracy and everybody's getting paid like these you know a in a conspiracy like I don't know if I've been involved in the conspiracy. The, the, um, the, the, I'm trying to think of when, like, I've tried to keep a secret, right? So it's, that's a conspiracy. A secret is a conspiracy. So, so four or five of us know a secret. And, and it's not, it's never been more than a couple weeks until the secret got out. No matter what the pact is with the five people that know the secret, right? Right, you got to kill four to be able to keep the secret. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. So the idea that you could keep a cabal of pedophilic baby eaters <laughs> at the highest yes. level of fame and power in America, and you could keep that a secret with no evidence 
for Someone decades. Someone would brag. You're right. Somebody would <laughs> brag. They'd get drunk and they'd go, I had the best baby the other night. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but, but, you know, and, I, and here's a rational thought, because a lot of this is based around, uh, you know, some horrible shit that goes on in America. And I'm not denying that it does. But one of the statistics that's always stood out to me since the Amber Alert was implemented, I think first in California, I think the, the so sad situation of the girl Amber was in central California, if I remember right. So the Amber Alert, which is that a child has been abducted that then was adopted federally, 80, over 80% of the time, a child abduction is a natural parent taking that child away from the other parent did you know that that's really i didn't know it was that high but i know that it's usually someone they know so yeah. it's still frightening that 20 20 percent of all these horrible things that we hear about is some crazy pedophile jumping out of the bushes and grabbing a kid and running away i know that happened in westminster a couple of years ago i i threw up like they went into too much detail on the news i just got so sick to my stomach like this poor child right yeah. and so nobody likes that but then to say that joe biden's doing that and hillary clinton's doing it george soros is doing it and ben you know and anderson cooper's doing it and, and it's just so insane but these people so vehemently believe it it's crazy well, isn't that and, why it works though is because there's so many people like the same way that made you sick is that's the one thing you can get the majority of people to agree on is that eating babies and kidnapping and torturing children is a horrible thing to do. So if you can get one person to believe that, I mean, how many people are going to go? We got to, ah, we got to have, so people, bad. we got to, I don't know if Pete Weiss would ever be on this show, but he knows the three people who started the QAnon um, mythology. It's his, it's a son, it's a dad and his son and, and the dad's brother, the uncle to the son. And they started it all. And I guess it's well known that they started it all. Um, and they started it to make money off of their website. Yeah. And now, and so people are going to say, oh, that's, that's just a cover. And they're the ones that came up with that idea that anytime there's a question about something, say it's a cover up. Right. Hmm. That's part of the QAnon thing. It's like, well, Q has the plan and, it, you know, so this is a distraction. And that's what the arguments today were that this was Q's plan was it wasn't March 4th. It's now going to be March 20th or whatever. So, but we're going down a QAnon rabbit hole. I'm just saying, I think that people are, are, feel hopeless, helpless and lost. I think there is too much lack of opportunity for all people in America. And that's what's leading to that's what that's the fuel that fuels our drug problem, our mental health problem, our homeless problem, our QAnon problem, our hatred and division of one another problem. It all is fueled by poverty, by disenfranchisement, by lack of opportunity and lack of equality. So if somebody wants to come along and say, we need to start think looking at problems differently, instead of saying, oh, we got a homeless problem, we just need to build more homes. Like, that's not why you have a homeless problem. Right. Oh, we've got a QAnon problem, we just need to impeach Trump. That's not why you have a QAnon problem. <laughs> oh, we have a suicide problem. We just need to have a bunch of suicide prevention websites and hotlines. <laughs> That's not why you have a suicide problem. The lack of suicide hotlines is not the reason why we have a suicide problem. If there had only been a phone. <laughs> hopelessness, helplessness, and disenfranchisement is why you have a suicide yeah. problem. It's why you have a homeless problem. It's why you have a drug problem. It's why you have a QAnon problem. And it's why you have, I believe this kind of trying to bring meaning to what I believe at best is a meaningless kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I do grapple, grapple with what is the meaning of life? What is it? Well, even if it were just simply to feel love and experience and, be loved. and, and to and, love and, and be and, loved, 
and to experience the things that we experience, whether that's to start a family and get to do that or the people that choose not to, to, to travel to see. I mean, just what a cool trip it can be. It wasn't cool when I was getting loaded, but, you know, the last 20-some years have been fucking amazing, even with the down. But, it, but I just feel these last, particularly this last year and a half, two years, even before COVID, and now COVID has just decimated everything. Um, I just feel like I can't, it, it's an old Woody Allen joke too, I can't enjoy the blessings of my life knowing that so many of my neighbors and fellow citizens are so angry and filled with hate and and rage and and there you know there's so much poverty and Watts and El Monte and and so much anger and Huntington Beach and Laguna and there's so much misery and friends of mine's kids are killing themselves. I just can't simply say, well I'm blessed. I'm blessed. It just really does gnaw at you that that we are a society of of people living together and we should be taking care of one another and comforting one another and helping one another and 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 it's just impossible to for me to to navigate those two kind of things yeah sure i could say oh my life's blessed i don't know what everybody's complaining about but <laughs> but it's we're beyond we're beyond that we're beyond that now i think as a yeah. society we're beyond that the idea when when i ask somebody who's new how they're doing i'm living the dream man when i hear living the dream i just kind of go oh man you're gonna wake up then because it's it, there is so much <laughs> there is so much more to see but i think it I, I think that's the reason you're still you avoided the 10-year rule right i think that's why you're still yeah. doing what you're doing is because uh, it's same reason I didn't duck out when things got more computerified and when things they wanted more things done at, at the work and when things got all covety and ridiculous. It's it's because we we find a sense of meaning even through all the bullshit. Well, my my new focus is children. I I just think that for some reason we've gone astray in how we how we raise children. I mean, there's been all kinds of warning signs. I tell this story all the time. When Trump was elected, they had to have grief counselors at Elvis's school. This is a fucking elementary school. An elementary school. Why are children distraught because some president got elected? It's because, <laughs> because the parents parent. are sick <laughs> yeah. and the society is sick. Yeah. Right? And I just felt like this is madness. And I talked about it for months. Like kids were crying. Seven-year-old kids were crying. Elvis told me, Dad, it's the worst thing that ever happened. I had to fucking straighten him out seriously. <laughs> the worst thing that ever happened. You know, I, I, told to old, I told the, well, because that's what he was told by everyone right. around him. And that's how right, everyone exactly. was acting. And you know what's interesting? He's gone now and still we're sitting here with all the same problems. Yeah of division and <laughs> hatred and all this kind of stuff. So I really do believe that maybe we're lost for a generation. Maybe it's just like this until I die, but we can correct it by, by reconstituting, relooking at how we do early education, how we do teach inclusiveness, how we teach res personal responsibility. That's one thing that's got lost on millennials personal responsibility that class was not taught apparently because it might hurt their feelings personal responsibility i would say if anybody asked me what's the biggest problem with dealing with millennial drug addicts personal responsibility they have no idea of what it is right well and they're not interested <laughs> they're not interested. Why would you? Why would you? If all the if all the parents and all the the teachers and all the adults in your life told you you don't have to be personally responsible for yourself, the society right. tells you that, the parents tell, told you that, and school told you that. We've got to change that. And so, so my school that we we came up with. I'm working with these teachers. They're very progressive. They're very loving and kind and thoughtful. But they admit that something's gone wrong in education. 
And so we had a conversation today we, after class, where after the kids went home, and we were just shooting the shit and talking about stuff. And I said, you know, I came up with this idea, compassion yet, re, yet accountability. That, that's like an aloe model. It's part of our compassionate care model is, yeah, compassion, but yet in accountability and personal mm-hmm. responsibility right not this this blame game of who's responsible for your immature irrational illogical irresponsible decision making you made the decisions might have been under the influence and hijacked and and bad parenting and 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 continued on adult bad parenting but you're still responsible for the decisions you made right that that you can show compassion but you can also lead by by showing personal responsibility is a is is something that you will gain something by taking responsibility for your life instead of collaborating with your mom and blaming her for everything because your (laughs) life if your life is shit if your life is shit just because you have a good excuse for it being shit that doesn't stop it from being shitty (laughs) <laughs> but the thing the thing that stops it from being shitty is taking personal responsibility and saying, I'm not going to do drugs no matter what. I'm going to follow direction and I'm going to ask for help when I need it. And most times they're asking for help because I've had clients for the last five years say, Bob, I got a dilemma. And, and it's been in various ways, sometimes over a cell phone bill, sometimes over a car, sometimes over cigarette money, sometimes, but, and, and, and girls and guys and, and I would say very young kids, like 17, 19, and older uh, failure to launch 32-year-olds. And they've all said, I got a problem because I'm really liking what's happening in my life and following your guys' kind of advice, but I really want a new cell phone, and I know if I call my mom and manipulate her, she'll get me one, right? This is one example. Oh, but how and do you I get said, to talk that? That's great. Yeah, well, usually they were the kids that were living at my house when your son okay. was living there, right? And and this was some kids you knew too. The one I'm talking about in particular about the new cell phone. And I said, well, let's talk about the cell phone because most therapists would talk about the relationships and boundaries. And I said, let's just talk about the cell phone because I don't even know what the right thing to do is. Why do you need the cell phone so bad? Well, you know, mine's fucked up. I go, yeah, but. You could, you could bring your phone to a fix-it place and get your phone fixed for like 90 bucks. You don't really need the new eight iPhone. I think it was iPhone 8 Max or whatever, right? <laughs> That's like $1,000. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, he was just going to, it's on his mom's account. She was going to, she had to go down there to let him, you know, to get the new fancy phone, right? And I said, listen, man, I'll cut you a deal. Um. I'll pay to get your phone fixed and then you just owe me the money and you do little odd jobs around here and we'll work it off. And he said, really? Cause you know how they crashed, they cracked their screens, you know? Mm-hmm. So his screen was cracked and something was fucked up about his Wi-Fi buttons didn't work and whatever. So I took it down to uh, Santa Monica and Vine to this fix it shop. They fucking fix it. It was only 60 bucks because it's Santa Monica and Vine, the ghetto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and he just had to do like, he had to take the trash cans out like for three weeks in a row. And he Good forgot deal. about wanting the iPhone 8S. You know what I mean? There's ways of solving problems that yeah, don't right. include psychobabbling forever. Right? I, I t- couldn't agree more. I mean, but how do you... That's why I wish I could plug them in. I wish you could plug in the feeling of what it's like to work, be self-supporting, have your own apartment, have a car that's a piece of shit, but you paid for it. You know, that those are natural good feelings. And, and, I, totally- go, and, and I gotta tell you, those also go along with relationships and and having fun. And, and these kids, like, they don't know how to have fun. Like, you know, when you just described a shitty car, I always tell the story. I actually saved money, and then we Max found this guy that would sell us this old beat-up station wagon 
for like a thousand bucks and we gave him 400 bucks and then a hundred dollars a month for six months or whatever <laughs> and i remember driving that car and it didn't have very good brakes and the power steering thing was out right so you're like <laughs> driving this you know you know when you got a car with no power steering <laughs> but we had a fucking car for the and first time in like a, you know a year and a half yeah. and then max crashed it within a couple weeks of when we got it <laughs> of course right because there's no brakes and no power steering. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't her fault, right? So right. I remember just looking at it crashed in the driveway and knowing that we got to pay $600 on this thing. And so I took the, unbolted the hood because the hood was all scrunched up so you couldn't see out the window. We just drove it with no hood. <laughs> good, good yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got to pay for it, right? right. And, uh, and I remember... Um, you know that was like a magical thing we had a car and it was funny and you know it was just like it didn't have a hood and it was kind of crashed in the front but we had a car and but we had each other too chuck and uh, and we had we had friends we had her brother brian we had Wise. we had people in our lives that we had a life and I'm telling you, hundreds and if not thousands of these kids that I've dealt with over the last five years, they don't have a life. They don't. Do you think it's a, it, the technological opiate? It's the separation by technology that's playing a part in that? Because I know we used to go to places. You had It wasn't like you could just pick up your phone and, and call somebody. You'd have to get to a pay phone. So you just go where people are. And it you go you where people are, but I'm talking about, about their, they don't ha know how to have intimate relationships. They really don't. Well, hence the, the technology. They're always on the computer. They're always on the phone. But they don't see things as, as like, I didn't, I've never seen a, a relationship that I've been in as only sexual or only, you know, quid pro quo or something. And they do really see relationships in very strange ways. As business yeah, relationships. It's as, yeah. as like, or really dis they're kind of distant. Like I, I've had kids that have been in a relationship for six months or eight months. They don't even know anything about each other. It's mm. kind of, you know what I'm talking about, Chuck? You see it yeah. more than I do. They don't even really know anything about each other. So maybe it's a technology that when they're together, they don't talk or they don't, they don't, they don't share how what they like and what they don't like and what's important to them and their dreams and their hopes they just kind of sit on their phones next to each other maybe right, that might exactly, be something exactly exactly I, I think that plays a part because that's what right. i see i see them walking down the street uh not talking to each other not holding hands holding phones maybe maybe that's one thing we could do like if you're going to be in a relationship like don't be on your phone 24 hours a day I try to get to know the person you're fucking or whatever. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, like it really is too. I'm trying. No, what? <laughs> I'm telling you. I I watch and it. And the weird thing is, the weird thing is, is the phones are locked. They have like their own personal passcode. It's not like they're sharing anything that the everything that they have on their phone with their other person. You know what I mean? It's this secret box, man, where you can just do anything on it, and it holds all your secrets. It's also well, I don't know about secrets, but it's steering your echo chamber to you, yeah. right? That 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 is for sure. Um, and. I mean, if you want to get to know your girlfriend, just go on Instagram and look at her Instagram page. I guess that's the way they do it nowadays. You wouldn't <laughs> recognize her. <laughs> With all the filters, you wouldn't recognize her. You know, I would say I've had, what, like four relationships in 25 years sober. I probably had four significant relationships in 20 years using, right? The 20 years of using, you really get to know people pretty fast because you're like, I'd be shooting coke and we're up all night and we're talking, talking, talking. You really get to know somebody, right? Phones were on the on the counter, though, back then. Phones were basically... I didn't even house. have a phone. I didn't have a phone when I first got sober. I didn't... I got sober in 96. Did you have a phone when you got sober, Mike? I didn't have a phone. I, I had didn't, never I didn't even had a one. checking account when I got sober. Me neither. No kidding. <laughs> well, that's a good story. Thelonious Monster had a checking account that nobody <laughs> knew about. It was at the City Bank on the corner of Fairfax and Third. And somehow, 
after I got sober, I found out that the Chili Peppers had covered Sammy Hagar weekend. And there was all this back royalty money. And I swear to God, I got like a $3,600 check. And I was like, how do I fucking cash it? And I couldn't, I didn't want to pay the 3% at the check cashing place. (laughs) I think that because I think my license was expired or something. And so they wouldn't do it. And so then I was trying to find it for two days. I was just like, had this fucking check and I was trying to get AA people to cash it for me and I'll give you a hundred bucks. And <laughs> no, nobody, I swear believed, to God, it's nobody believed it was real. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see getting, just getting pissed. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck. And then I remembered Thelonious Monster has a bank account. And I went to that bank and I remember, I never forget it. And I, you know, I said, I'm one of the signees on the bank account. And I think there was like, it was Chris Hansen had started the bank account. And there was like 18 cents in the bank account. <laughs> oh, so there's nothing to draw against. But, no, but no, they, it was a, it was a Citibank check. It was a Thelonious uh, Monster, oh, Bob nice. Flores check. So and they so just- they, but it still took like an hour and a half. Like they were really not, because I, at the time I had no front teeth and, like, what did I you was buy? like, okay, so we want to know what did you buy? I went to Canners right away and just $3,600 like Canners? No, no, I, <laughs> I, you know, I paid two months rent. I remember our rent was $460 a month. That's another thing that people have to realize. Um, and I've, I've said this before, but it's really important for parents to hear this. In 1997, I lived in a beautiful one-bedroom apartment in Silver Lake that had a walk-in closet that was big enough for Elijah to have a bedroom in. (laughs) So it was me, Max, and Elijah lived in this one-bedroom apartment. It was utilities included, and we bootlegged the free cable. It was $460 a month. About five years ago, I was driving by there, and there was a for rent sign on the building, and it was bad traffic on Sunset. I said, fuck it. I want to know how much that apartment rents for now. <laughs> and I went back there and it, Chuck, how much do you think an apartment? And this was 20 years later. How much do you think of 400? And they'd done nothing to the building. The building was still a piece of shit building. $460, 20 years later, how much was the rent on that apartment? Chuck, you want to guess? Well, a dollar a year. So four, uh, <laughs> No, I don't know. I probably double, triple. $2,100. $2,400. You're right. Bing, 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 Mike Mark. How can that happen? Because wait a second now, guys. The minimum wage in 1997, I believe, was $5.65 an hour. Five years ago, it was $8.10 an hour. Right? So wages only went up $3 an hour. No, it's only it's only seven forty five now. Oh, seven forty five. Like. Okay, so seven forty five. It went up it from five sixty five to seven forty five. Went up two dollars an hour in twenty years, right? Yeah. Are you following me? The rent on the apartment was five times the rent. Parents That's- need to know this. I don't give a fuck. This isn't for any other reason. That when old crusty parents of 20-something kids go, well, fuck it, you know, you can get a job and you can get an apartment. No, they can't. And if they raise it to 15, let's just let's just go by Bernie Saunders math. So if you make $15 an hour, how much do you make? Uh, you make $600 a week. You make enough to live in that apartment and right. not eat food, not go to the movies, not, not eat, not, uh, not have a car. You just make enough at $15 an hour, which everybody's, you know, half the, half, all the Republicans and, and Joe Manchin are against a $15 minimum wage. So stupid. And, and yet it, it only pays for the shitty apartment in Silver Lake. Yeah. So, so parents need to be aware, like, you know, and especially, uh, you know, more, I, I tend to think like, you know, they're just completely disconnected from the, from the cost of living in Los Angeles completely. Hey, it costs a lot of money. It's, you know, it's prime, prime locations cost a lot of money, but you can go inland and it doesn't cost as much, you know, you know, living down on the, on the water in long beach is a lot more than living inland. 
You know, that's the problem. There, there are places in Huntington Beach that are affordable, but they're not as desirable. You know, so I, it, that's like Amy and I were we were driving back from somewhere, and it's just like, you know, Sash needs to find a place in Garden Grove or Westminster where it's, Westminster, yeah, where it's more affordable. What my kids have found, not my children, but my hundreds of kids that have gotten sober and stayed sober at that jump-off point, including Sasha himself, Chuck, sober people don't want to live with newcomers anymore. I lived with long-term sober people, right, initially in my sobriety. Uh, the first first place, I slept on the couch, and then and then Chris Hoy and Bianca, his girlfriend, said we could rent the bedroom i forget what it was like 650 a month or something their second bedroom they were bianca was like eight years sober and chris was like two years sober two years sober and eight years sober people are not allowing people with 90 days to rent their their spare bedroom they're not i know for a fact they're not they are not well, they're not stable enough. because they don't trust that the the kids coming out of rehab are going to stay sober uh, at least in Los Angeles, there's no person that's got two years sobriety that's going to let a newcomer rent a rent a room or go in an apartment. You know, them. but all, of, not. all three of us were under a year sober when we got the place on Third and Temple. All three well, of us were. Did you have to have a credit check? No, we 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 saved money and we paid money. We all went from sober livings into that apartment. I know, and but how did you get the apartment? Nowadays, was, you can't get the most ghetto apartment without 700 credit rating. I guess this that, whole that thing would, about be credit, the trick. credit ratings, it, it, it dictates whether you can even get an apartment. Maybe that's the next thing that needs to be. There needs to be a successful second step to treatment that's not sober living where you pay $600, uh, $700 a month to share a room with four other guys. And, and get a shelf on a refrigerator, but maybe it's um, living that's affordable, that's partially subsidized to help people get on their feet. But my so. thing, how I got that 460 apartment, I'll leave with this. And this was, this is something that I had to realize how much they were trusting me. So I was stand sober. I was going to meetings. I was showing up and it was obvious and I was serious and I made it over a couple humps. I don't know if you guys know, I got arrested when I was like 30 days sober for uh, outstanding child support. And I stayed sober in, in jail and a couple of friends got me out of jail and I stayed sober. I didn't run off like a baby. I was just like, okay, so I guess I'm going to be in jail sober. Um, uh, but but so when I was 30 days sober, uh, Anthony said to me, listen, we got a couple of gigs and we don't have a crew or whatever. This is, I was a roadie, Chuck, by the way. You were a tech. Awesome. I was a, I was a roadie, dude. <laughs> Good thing the you bottom didn't continue. Of the barrel. Been queuing on. <laughs> and he said, we got a show in Irvine and we got a show in San Francisco. And, and so you go rent a U-Haul, go pick up our equipment, bring it down to Irvine wait till after the gig, load it up, bring it to San Francisco, and I'll give you this certain amount of money. And that certain amount of money is how I got my first apartment. First oh, and last wow. month's rent. And that's not, you can't, that's not going to happen for 99% of these kids unless their parents just give it to them, right? But what I realized when I was driving through those uh, in Livermore, when you're going into San Francisco and it was like, it was just like five in the morning, six in the morning, and the sun was coming up. And uh, and it was me and Keith Morris did it actually. And the, the, I was going through the, where those wind turbines are, and I really mm -hmm. it hit me how much they trusted me. I'm sure they trusted <laughs> Keith too more than me. But like all of the Red Hot Chili Peppers equipment was in the back of a fucking U-Haul. You could have sold that. I could have mm -hmm. sold that. No. But I didn't, even, I didn't even think of selling it. I thought, wow. And I almost started crying. Yeah. But I had been up all night driving too. But I almost started crying like, God, these guys really trust me. They're giving me a chance. See, when you're entitled, Chuck, you never have those moments. You don't appreciate shit. But we got a lot of work to do in this society. And if we can come up with a vaccine to a fucking virus that didn't exist 
17 months ago and vaccinate an entire country in seven months as haphazard and stupid and bureaucratic as this process has been, we went from not even knowing what it was to an entire 350 million people having herd immunity by July 1st in seven, 18 months. If we can do that, we can start to teach our children about love and self-respect and righteousness and, and work hard and be thoughtful and kind to each other and hold yourself in high regard. We should be able, if we did this, why can't we do that? We got a lot of work to do. <laughs> All right. All Things right, are getting guys. way better and they're still horrible. Like what, you know, so we got more work to do. That's it's all. It's a long way to the top. And if you want to rock. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a little bit of ACDC for you youngsters. <laughs> oh, Good there's night, a Bond, There's a new Bond Scott documentary, 25 minutes on uh, YouTube, I think. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, man. Huh. All right. I'll check Let it out. Let them be rock. Let them be sound. Let them be guitars. Let them be rock. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call. <laughs>